Hello, everybody. This is Bill Knauer, and you're listening to Author to Author, where we talk about writing and life and just what it is to be creative, because what it takes to write the book you want to write is also what it takes to lead the life you want to lead. It's true. Author to Author It's brought to you by Author Magazine, premier free writing magazine on the Internet, featuring uh, articles on writing and the writing life. I do an essay every about two or three times a week for the magazine on the editor's blog, but we have weekly articles also about craft and business and also just about, you know, just what it is to wake up and look at a blank page and think, what do I want to put there? So, uh, but we also have video interviews with best-selling and award-winning authors across the genres. Uh, this, I just put up an interview this morning, uh, Tuesday, June 30th, and that's with Annabelle Abs, a really interesting British novelist whose debut novel, The Joyce Girl, uh, is finally getting published in the U.S. She's been published worldwide, but her books have been mostly overseas. But she just got her what's well, come out, and oh, we had a great conversation. Interesting woman. She's written a lot of books since then, but uh, we had a great conversation, and it's all there, authormagazine.org, and we're funded by the fabulous people over at the Pacific Northwest Writers Association. They've been supporting writers from pen to publication since 1955, and. Um, you know, like a lot of conferences, we're doing ours virtually, I think, this year. The Willamette Writers Conference down in Portland, uh, I'm going to be there virtually this year. I'm going to be at the Alaska Writers Conference virtually. I'll be doing the keynote up uh, in September. And I guess I'll be at two conferences simultaneously because the PNWA's conference in September, that will be uh, virtual as well. So, you know, wherever you are, you can attend it, what, whatever that means. Uh, we're going to see. But uh, I think it's going to be pretty cool. I think this, I think it will be better than you might have thought when you learned, if you first learned that it wasn't going to be in person. I do love doing it in person, but we got to go ahead with this. You can meet agents, pitch agents, take classes, the whole thing. Uh, so if you're interested, uh, go over to pnwa.org. You can become a member, or you can just learn about the conference and start signing up for that. Yes, you can. Okay. Uh, not much going on with me. Uh, no, I mean, I, I, I'm finishing a book, of course. I mentioned that. Getting ready to send that off to the new publisher. I won't talk about that. You know what? I, well, it's good. You don't want to talk about a book. Here's my little piece of marketing advice for all you. Uh, I, I mentioned, folks, I have a book coming out next year. But, um, you know, I don't really want to talk about it to people until they can do something about it. And there's nothing anyone can do about it now. Not even my publisher until I send it to them. So that's why I'm going to zip my lip until probably next March sometime. But in the meantime, well, we've got a guy who's got a book coming out in September, and I'll bet you could pre-order it if you want. His name is August Norman, and he's been living in, down in Los Angeles for a couple decades, writing for and appearing in movies. Yes, television, stage productions, web series, and even commercial advertising. But he is a lover and champion of crime fiction, and he's an active member of the Mystery Writers of America, International Thriller Writers, and Sisters in Crime, both national and Los Angeles, and regularly goes to the Santa Barbara Writers Conference. And he is the author of his debut novel, Come and Get Me, which came out, I think, last year. And as I said, coming this fall, September, Sins of the Mother. He's here to talk to us. Uh, August, how you doing? I'm great, Bill. Thanks for having me. Well, it's good to have you. Okay. All right. Here you are. September. It's, it's, it's June now, almost July. And you got a book coming out in September. When did you finish Sins of the Mother? When did you say, I'm done? And you did your last edit. When was that? 
<laughs> well, that's a fine question. Sins of the Mother um, began after the release of my debut novel last year. So um, if my first novel came out in April of 2019, uh, Sins of the Mother started somewhere around there. Um, it, it literally, uh, this is the second book in the series. Um, uh, and it was part, part of a two book deal traditionally published. And so uh, this was actually sold off a pitch. Uh, so I had no. given the publisher, given the publisher about 10 different uh, three line pitches about where I thought the series would go. And uh-huh. uh, they picked this one. And then I, uh, I, I, <laughs> you Hollywood I, I, guy, I'm, I'm getting better over time. <laughs> what what a Hollywood way to time. sell a book. That is that is something you know. I'm I'm not against it, but that is so. That's something that if you if you're having to be involved in the film, so much of it has to be pitched in three lines. Novelists don't normally do that. I don't think you're one of the first ones I've heard describe it that way. But I know lots of television and movie people that that's how they operate, right? The the uh, the <laughs> that's totally totally true. And uh, I was it's very intimidating. I because I did have a second book already, you know. 15, when, I, when I got the deal for the first book, they're like, oh, is it a series? I'm like, yes. And the second one, I'm already, you know, a third of the way into, and uh, it's blah, blah, blah. They're like, sure, sure, sure. And then the deal went on, and the first book started coming out. And they're like, oh, yeah, about the second book. Could it not be set in Panama? I'd be like, what? Uh, and they're like, yeah. What? And also, could it not be? And I'm like, hold on, hold on. And then they're like, why don't you pitch us 10 books? And uh, 10 oh, ideas, and we'll say which one. Uh, they're oh like, yeah, you're God. open to it. Now, granted, I had, the, I had a writer refusal. I could have said, no, I'm writing the book I wanted to write. But um, I really am excited about where this book ended up. And, um, and yeah, maybe because I've been uh, in Hollywood for uh, about two decades, I am very used to that concept of, like, oh, throw that away now. Uh, or, like, uh, you had a great thing. That's, you know, maybe not the thing we're going for. So oh I really God. like how Sins of the Mother turned out. Um, I don't even know if it's time to talk about it yet, but let's just say I got to create my own cult uh, and religion. And so, um, you know, who knew? I, uh, I really, uh, I didn't know I wanted to do that, but uh, I did that and it's pretty fun. That's awesome. Well, let's back up. Okay. So as you said, you've been working August Norman, as you revealed to me, I did not even know until speaking to you a few minutes ago is not your actual name. It's not what your family and friends know you as it's what we call a gnome de plume. So for a while, you went around the world as somebody else down in Los Angeles, Correct. and you and did you move there for the world for television and film? Was that the initial dream of what drew you out to that corner of the world? It is a little bit, yeah. I've always been a bit of a jack of all trades, a master of none, or at least an eighty percenter. Uh, so I moved out to Hollywood uh, after college, directly after college to either make it in uh, production, uh, writing, acting, or music. And then wow. uh, throughout the years, uh, there was a combination of all of that. I, I've, I've sort of run the artist's uh, gamut in the, uh, the artist's way in many, many ways. So, all right, so you were like, okay, like, and, and so music is in, like, composition type stuff or as a musician, just a, a, like you know, a, a, a nerdy session rock band. Nerdy rock band. A nerdy yeah, rock like, band, okay. Uh, so like you, somewhere between Weezer and uh, Ben Fold 5. So we like that was, kind of feel. What, what instrument did you play? What instruments even uh, maybe should uh, I came up uh, through as a musical background, like playing saxophone and other woodwinds. And then I uh, started playing guitar, and then that's pretty much it at this point. But, you know, I played the flute. But I played yeah. the flute for many years, many, many years. Yeah. You know what the weird thing about playing things like the saxophone and the flute are? I have learned from my from a relative who's who's getting her master's in the flute. They don't teach you music theory. Nothing, nothing. 
They teach you, like, I did not even know I was playing in the key of F until I started playing <laughs> the piano. It's true. They teach you nothing about theory. So interesting. Anyway, okay, so you, you, you yeah. did a lot of different music, went there, and you said, I, don't, I just want to do something in the arts. I'm an artist. I don't know what, but I'm going to do something. And well, what was the written, first? I definitely, I'll, yeah, I'd always written, uh, like throughout college and everything, I definitely studied writing. But my, my emphasis, my degree was like telecommunications with TV and film production, as well as okay. uh, playwriting, as well as playwriting and, and oh. screenwriting as well. So okay. I, I went to a Big Ten school. I went to Indiana University. And at the time, they had a different journalism department than they had communications and they had a different film program than video but now that's all sort of merged but um so anyway i came out with with a love of all of the the parts of of telling the stories i guess and so um i moved to town started doing some comedy in town started doing uh, a lot of short films and uh and independent type stuff with my friends uh which led to a lot of writing as well and um you know while doing that working tv post-production so uh there was always there was always a bit of everything, and it wasn't until my 30s um, that I kind of moved away from TV and screenwriting, or that is feature screenwriting, and and finding my uh, love of the novel, uh, in particular in crime fiction. So talk to me about that. Um, so were you reading it uh, specifically? Like, did you start reading it in earnest in a way that you hadn't when you were younger? Yeah, because uh, when I was younger, I mean, I definitely had read. Um, classics. Uh, I'd read a lot of Agatha Christie and uh, Conan Doyle and Hammett and uh, Chandler and Ross MacDonald. Uh, so, so sort of like uh, steeped in classic crime as well as just a love of films, uh, noir, as uh, episodic murder mystery TV. You know, I love all that stuff. Uh, but it wasn't until it wasn't until I, I had written the screenplay. Uh, based on a, of a director friend's idea that, you know, he had seen and he wanted to see a hypnotist convince someone to kill themselves or to murder someone. So I, right. I, I went all in. I'm like, oh, this is my chance. I wrote a full screenplay based on uh, an ex-cop. It ended up being very much an L.A. noir um, post-Rampart scandal, uh, you know, crime, crime fiction sort of thing. And when I got done, he's like, nah, that's not what I was thinking. And I'm like, well, I, I like it so much. I like it so much that I'm going to novelize it. Um, cause right. I, I had put so much and that's when I started, um, my reading, uh, as far as like current, the, the current, uh, modern crime fiction world between thrillers and mysteries. And, uh, I probably read mm, 80 books in one year. Um, Whoa. Oh, you're I, reading I'm like a, a romance a reader. reader. Wow. Uh, yeah. Well, and I am some of the science, some of crime fiction reads like that. Uh, I, I yeah. very much would go into a used bookstore, find some author who had 10 books, then see if I could find their first in a series. And then I'd rip through the series. And I, you know, I uh, discovered a lot of uh, uh, Harlan Coben, obviously, and uh, sure. uh, Robert Craze. And uh, yeah. <laughs> these are all these people we've got on the point. show. Okay. Yeah. And, exactly. uh, I, and I, um, especially I stuck to LA based stuff for a while there, but um, it yeah. took uh so throughout all of that, I started novelizing my screenplay. And um, so that, that was probably around 2007, I want to say. Okay. And so when, that so pro- let me ask yeah, you, go ahead. when I was 18, uh, I picked up a little copy of a collection of T.S. Eliot's poetry. And um, I heard of them, 
but I didn't know anything about him. I was in high school and no one was teaching us poetry in high school, but a friend of mine had, I'd heard him talking about Elliot. So I was like, who the hell is this guy? So I get it. And I literally read a poem. I think it was the love song of Jeff. And I said, Oh, Oh, you can do that. And I couldn't even tell you exactly what that was, but my writing changed that day. There was something he was doing that was simpler than I thought you need. He, he was able to be profound and simple at the same time. There was something that just, put me on my head and really my writing changed in that way. Now that was unusual, I think for a lot of writers, but you went and immersed yourself wisely in the genre. Was, was there one or two either books or authors that really like helped you click something in when you read them? Um, especially, I, I mean, there was a little bit of the, you know, the, the world difference between procedural and literary crime fiction and they sure. often overlap. Right. But um, I really found myself like, oh, Dennis Lehane can take a book to a oh, much yeah, darker, yeah, yeah. more emotionally rich place than I than I expected. And um, right. And also, you know, and, and looking back, uh, like obviously people start with Raymond Chandler, but then like going sideways to Ross McDonald, uh, you know, Ross McDonald had a much you know, longer and uh, some would say but better career uh, and wrote a lot right. of amazing stuff. So, um, yes, very much so. And uh, obviously Michael Connolly out of the modern canon, yeah. uh, you know, he's just, just, uh, just write stuff that I, I rip through uh, as far as, you know, private eye slash procedural slash uh, all of that. And then honestly, I, I really wasn't familiar with the world of thrillers. Um, right. So when I wrote film. my, uh, it, it really is and nailing that genre. Also uh, Elmore Leonard, uh, Walter Mosley. Oh. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to, I might be cheating by looking over my bookshelf right now, but uh, <laughs> you know, my wife and I, we recently had our first child. So we've been downsizing oh, and a lot of books had to go. Oh, thank you. A lot of sure. books had to go, but like, so now it's really like looking at the shelf. You're like, Oh, I know what I kept. Um, it's very, right, very right, fun to see right. what I kept. And when you uh, say, yeah, when you say, and this is, this is a, I'm sorry, this is a loaded question, but how do you, you're a literary, uh, literary thriller or literary Suspense? How would you call it? Would you would you call it literary thriller? Is that where you put yourself? Literary crime? How uh, would literary, you? I'd even go literary crime. I, I'm sure my okay. agents out there being like, "You're a thriller writer." Stop <laughs> you know. So, well, what makes uh, it? Because what, the, because what in your market. mind? What in your mind puts it into that specific category? Um, I, mostly because I'm not interested in telling stories where the person walks away at the end of the book and is the same in the next book. Like I, I, I really uh-huh. can't imagine yes. someone living through surviving. I mean, okay. If you're a detective, maybe that's your job every day, but really most people hopefully only deal with one to three horrible things in their lives. And right. I, I have right. a real hard time with any, anyone, even if their job is an FBI profiler, if they have to deal with more than three serial killers in their life, that's, that's when I tune out. <laughs> I know. Like more that's than a one, good point. You know. Right. So um, and human no change. On anyone. Right. Yeah. But you're interested in yeah. how these events change them as people. Exactly. And, uh, right. and I can't stand it when people walk away unchanged. Um, so, right. well, uh, and it's really, well, uh, I, yeah, go, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I really like that. Um, and blurring, blurring the line between good and bad of, of just more staying in motivation of how do right. we get, I mean, yeah, there's psych, psychopathy, but how do we get people who are 
think they can get away with killing their uh, wife on their honeymoon or how, you know, like where right. does that come from? Um, obviously in the new book, I really dealing with uh, cognitive dissonance. Um, you know, that idea that, you know, how do you keep believing something after it's been demonstrably proven false? Yeah. Um, and, and you can't so in, in the case of, yeah, exactly. You can so I try to explore. Yeah. I try to explore something um, that really affects me the story is very important to me. Obviously, the plot is fun, but um, the the things, the, the the world views that the characters have to deal with and hopefully change throughout uh, is is where I hope to find my work. I had a theory about crime. I had a fantasy that I would write, try and write. I don't write fiction these days. I never wrote crime, but I thought, you know, I'll bet you, if you talk to people in, I'm sure you have talked to detectives and you know people in the business that most murders are are kind of boring in a way and that they're probably just acts of like spur of the moment acts of rage kind of thing i bet a lot of them aren't planned out or it's just somebody kind of lost it or someone a disagreement went awry what do you what's what's your oh. take oh yeah you, you're totally true you're totally right it's almost that idea of like a lot of people want to write a memoir, but, you know, you, you always have that note where you're like, yeah, but is your life, you know, noteworthy? <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, yeah, horrible. Sadly, most, most violence, especially murder, ends up being spousal abuse derived or petty crime or uh, drug addiction, violence, right. you know, included. And it's, you're right. It's not, I would say, usually say cinematic, but it's not worthy of no, it's a, high a concept. story. Of, Right, unless you're writing something maybe at the literary level that hopefully, again, you're seeing the effect of violence on people rather than right. the solving of a puzzle. Or, I mean, again, right. don't get me wrong, I love the solving of a puzzle. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love a yeah, yeah. good plot that, uh, you know, with some twists. But uh, mostly, I, I, yeah, you're right. A lot of people's lives, even the bad parts, are not um, newsworthy or cinema or cinematic. Well, you'd have to dig for it, probably. It's not as, as glaring. I was I actually teach memoir and personal essay, and the job of the memoirist is really like, look, your life may not look interesting, but everything's interesting once you, if you know how to dig for it. Everything is interesting if you could dig, but you got to know how to dig for it. And so, and, and I'm sure you, you know, and you've probably found that. I always think of people who are writing suspense and science fiction or any of the genres where there's a lot more potential for action you can still have those moments where things are very poignant and very meaningful, but nothing is really happening where you just are writing and you, you find yourself dipping into the felt experience of what it is to be human. And you're sort of mining that too. Yeah. you got to get that even in that if is, you're writing crime and so on. That is, that is the goal. Uh, and, um, you know, it's almost, it's not a trick, but it is almost that um, the genre has, uh, at least for debut authors, uh, the genre has expectations. Um, and right, the industry right. has expectations. So, yes, you definitely want to get as much of that humanity in there as possible on a page at, while also, you know, fulfilling the need for short chapters or the need for pacing and uh, tension. Right. So, it's, yeah, it's a fun, it's a fun mix, and it's kind of a, it's a fun genre to play in, really. Uh, yeah. It, it gives you a lot of opportunities for both sensationalism and, as well as uh, inner humanity, I suppose. So you, your first writing experience, you said you'd done playwriting and, um, and, and you were in the world of the screen, although you loved fiction, you, or you probably were a reader, I'm sure, and you ended up 
reading, but there's a big difference between writing for um, writing for the stage and writing for the screen. They're very different, although there's a lot of overlap. And then there's a whole other thing when you're starting to write novels because you have the prose where suddenly it matters. I remember the first time I tried writing a screenplay, I was kind of like this. I don't know because no, the prose just really doesn't matter the way it does in a novel, obviously. And so how like were you intimidated by that or were you very practical about it? Did you find the novel intimidating? Like, how was that for you emotionally? Uh, I was probably like a lot of um, Hollywood types where I was just kind of stupidly optimistic. Uh, <laughs> I, I just fumbled my way through it and was like, I'm ready. Let somebody publish this. And, and um, right. So uh, as far, I mean, I, I think a lot of times the notes that I will get is that my stuff does read as like as cinematic. Uh, that is like, Oh, I can really see the scenes and feel the pacing, you know, um, right. Hopefully not in an obtrusive way, but um what I what I took from those different uh, formats would, would really just be um, character development uh, as, and, and pacing uh, and just overall story arc. So um, it's really yeah you're right. It, it's if I get notes from editors a lot of times it's like uh, you have, you can go more internal here. Like right. oh right because I'm not allowed. You know, right. Like you're not allowed to go internally. Um, no. But well you could. You can do the the dreaded voiceover. Uh, which sure. is a tricky, I think, technique to use, actually. But you oh. can't, for the most part. I know that is the weird thing about fiction is that it is. And actually, I've talked to my students about this. I don't know. If, I, I haven't heard many writers talk about this, but I think it's real. Of all the art forms, right? Music and painting and dance and theater and sculpture, all the art forms. Writing is the only one that says we're going to take a three-dimensional, five-sensory experience and tra- I'm talking about fiction writing specifically or prose writing right. and translate it into nothing but thought because a language is just thought. You don't get to use your five senses to experience it. Movies you will, plays you will, but the book, it's all just thought that we're translating it into. That's a very specific experience because even when you're writing your screenplays and your plays, you're knowing that something live and human is going to bring it to life. N- not quite the case with your book, yeah? Oh, exactly. So one of the ways I like to kind of bring that energy to it uh, as the, the background that I have as an actor, which wasn't always successful, but you know, there was some work. Um, sure. I like to look at every character in every scene. Uh, so every character, no matter how small they are, sort of broken down as how I would look if I was the aspiring actor auditioning for the part. Um, so if I, you know, you're like in a screenplay, you kind of mind what the writer has given of even if they give him like one repetitive motion, you're like, Oh, he always touches his ear because I mean, you can build a backstory for it or give sure. yourself something. Right. So I try to, I try to look at my characters, maybe not in the first draft, but as I write them, I try in order to differentiate and, and really humanize people. I, I try to look at them from that point of view of like, okay, this character appears five times. Uh, are they always the same? Do they have an arc of their own? Do they have, are they memorable in any way or do they need to not be memorable in any way? Like if they're just the waiter who shows up, then right. um, then that's all they should do. But um, so I try I try to look at uh, obviously my heroines and villains um, of like what would it take to make like an A list actor want to do this part for scale? You know, like uh, meaning like why <laughs> like you know like oh I loved it so much I didn't take a paycheck. You know, like I took right. another deal. Um, like or I'll fund the independent movie of it. Like that that sort of how do you make people um, 
how do you make your characters that fun? And um, even if they're evil fun or, you know, horrible right. Hannibal Lecter types. Um, right. So, so that's something I've tried to concentrate on to kind of bridge that gap. And, um, right. But I, ultimately, just, I, I do love the novel. Yeah. You just love the format of it? Do you like the control? Do you like having a little control, a little final say? <laughs> right, well, that is that is one of the main differences between uh, screenwriting and and yeah. the novel. At the end of the day, if, if no one wants your novel, you can still publish it, and you can still have a whole self-contained thing that you yeah. know from beginning to end as yours. Yeah. And um, yeah. that's a big difference. It is a huge difference, um, even though – uh, novel writing is a much longer process to get to rejection. Uh, it does need to <laughs> fulfill the soul a little more for me, at least. Well, yeah, it's tricky. Uh, this, I have friends in Hollywood. It's like to get a movie made. It's just like, oh my god! It's like trying to build an office tower or something. It just takes so much. So many people have to say yes, you know. Right. Whereas, I mean. To sell a book, you do need a few people to say yes, it's true, but not nearly so many because less money is on the line, generally speaking, and it's just so much less comp. So much. I tell my, my writing students, I'm like, look, how do we get a book published? And I was like, okay, I'll walk you through that. But let me tell you, it's not that complicated compare, compared to some of the other things you might try to put up as an artist, like an opera or a symphony. <laughs> or a, I mean, a novel is actually pretty easy compared to so many other things. It really is. And um, I mean, now granted, the industry is a whole other thing, but you're right. It is. The process, uh, the industry is a whole other thing to learn. It is. And you're learning it, I'm sure. I'm sure you're starting to, you're starting to get a little, you're, you're getting to your second book. I'm sure there's things you know now that you didn't know back two years ago. Yeah. That, yeah, that's definitely the truth. And one of the, um, uh, actually one of the workshops that I've been sort of teaching off and on at uh, writers conferences now is that like, Hey, your dream came true. Now what happens? Yeah. Um, like how do you, yeah. uh, how do you keep, it, it's almost like I kind of compare it to um, not, not the loss of a loved one, but like planning a funeral. You weren't planning it. It came out. Of, I mean, you always kind of had it in mind. Uh, now you have right. to do it. And, and you're, you are subject to an industry that is there to feed on you in some way, maybe in a great yeah. way, maybe in a bad way, but like they exist and they have their own rules and their own terminology and their own timelines that, um, I mean, you, you have this, I'm sure others have talked about it, but you have these expectations of, sure. like, cool, my, somebody bought my book and now it's going to get published and it's going to get advertised and being marketed. And, and you're like, yeah. well, it might not, that might not yeah. be a thing. But um, so you have to learn, obviously, you have to get into a marketing phase right away. You have to get into yeah. your, um, if you're not comfortable in, you know, being in uh, out and about in person, uh, although right now the virtual world makes it a little yeah. easier for some. But if you're yeah. not comfortable selling yourself as well as the book, that, that's uh, I mean, I'll be honestly, all we really want to do is write. I just want to write right. uh, and then retreat, retreat to another dark room and write, and then you know come out for sandwiches. But um, right. But yeah, that that's I think if anything that has been part of. Well, almost like a who moved the cheese uh, to, to yeah. paraphrase the title of that book. But that, right. that yeah, moment yeah. of like, yeah, get, love the change and, and try to love the industry and all its possibilities yeah. um, or else you I, can get left behind in it fairly Yeah, quickly. you can get bitter. And you get, and I, but, I, you know, I, I, I have friends who want to self-publish. I like working with publishers. I, I enjoy the experience. Um, I, I, I like the support. I like the back and forth. And I just think that 
There's things, and even though you do a lot of the work, you know who really does the work? This is the truth. This is, it was Donald Moss who first told me this, the writer oh. and, and agent. And it's really true, which is books become bestsellers because of word of mouth. Like that's really how it happens. And it's just, it, and you can do some stuff, but the best thing you can do is write a great freaking book, you know, because until someone says, because think about books, if you see it advertised on YouTube or you see a, a picture of it, that's good. But having a friend say to you, oh, you're going to love, you know, the Joyce girl or whatever, or you're going to love come get me. That's the thing that really promote, provokes most people to buy books, I think. I just, I just think that it's a strange true. business in that way. And so write a really good book. And that's your first and best piece of, of uh, marketing. I believe um, there's other stuff too, you, but no, you know, you got, <laughs> no, you're right. Um, it all comes down to, to that, to the, someone else who's never met you falling in love with it. Yes. Someone's, someone's got to do it on their own. I still remember I was at a writer's conference and, uh, uh, and I was at this panel. I just published this tiny little book of essays and uh, I shouldn't phrase it that way. It was a book of essays. And there I was about <laughs> writing. And uh, I, I, was, I introduced the writer to my right, best-selling author, writer to my left, best-selling author. And I introduced myself. And this woman stood up in the middle of this big class and said, I just bought his book and it's great. And she's referring to me and you should all buy it too. And she sat down and I thought, now that's what I need. I need more people. <laughs> I don't know, standing up and waving my book at them. And how do you, you can't make anyone do it, can you? But you got, but a good book will let them do it. So anyway, there, there's my soapbox on the marketing world. Um, oh, you're preaching to the choir. Good, good. I love the choir. Well, listen, uh, August. Okay, so again, people, the name of the book, this is marketing. Here we go. The name of the book is Come Get Me. That's out now. You can go get it. It says Come Get Me, so go get it. It's out there. You can read it. It's good suspense. But in September, you can pre-order it now, and that way you'll know you'll have it as soon as it comes out. It's Sins of My Mother. Do out in September. Um, you do you have a release it. date. What's that? It's September eighth. September eighth should be everywhere okay. you can get books. That's right. Okay, good. So September eighth, you can pre-order it now. Send them a come and get me. And if people want to learn about you, is it August Norman? What's the what's your where's the best place to find out about you? AugustNorman.com will get you uh, right to all of my social media. It'll get you to um, the, my mailing list, which is probably the best way to keep in touch. But, of course, social media is always important. So AugustNorman.com. Sure. All right, good. All right, but I'm not quite done with you. August, what I'd like you to do, finish this sentence for me if writing has taught you anything. It's taught you what? Uh, never say no to yourself. Uh, that is, don't oh. shoot yourself down. Let the world, <laughs> the world will shoot yes. you down in many ways, but never be, never self-sabotage until, well, until you're editing. Never, 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 never. It's true. If you shoot yourself down, then, then the world will never have a chance. <laughs> you, if you do it, it's over. Oh, that's what Faust said. The worst thing a man can do is think ill of himself. It's true. It's true. Uh, <laughs> fabulous advice. Uh, August, it was great talking to you. Good luck with Sins of the Mother and every book you'll write every year, apparently, from now on. <laughs> that is the hope. Thank you so much for having me, Bill, and thanks for having the show. All right. You're welcome. Take it easy. All right. This true, people. Don't – it no good ever, ever comes of you thinking poorly of yourself, of you shooting yourself down. You cannot use the whip to drive you to be creative. It doesn't work that way. Love only. Yes, it's true. I'll be back again next week with another author. 
want to thank my producer, RJ Jeffries. Thank you, RJ. To all of you out there, go find something you love to do and 